into center field, oh, heading back. There it is. That is Jace Peterson going deep off of Joe Ryan to tie the game at one. Brewers Twins uh, still in action. We go to the bottom of the third. Uh, bottom of the third. Heading into right now. Scores tied one to one. Grant, right after that home run, there was a single. Jonathan Davis bunted, and they did not score. And that will be all I say about the <laughs> offensive strategy. No, I'm joking. I'm okay. Listen, I, I don't want to be this guy, but he bunted. He isn't that great of a hitter anyway, so you can understand how that strategy works. It's yeah. just Colton Wong and Willie, and Willie Adamas both had pretty horrific at-bats directly afterwards. So that is the oh, no way. cause and effect there. I don't get um, Colton Wong at leadoff, Grant. I really don't. I'm out on it entirely. I'll put Jace Peterson there. I'll put anybody there. He just hasn't. It, the at-bats are not there for me to put him in that spot. Is it bad that I am maybe just out on Colton Wong? Like, if they were to trade for a big-name second baseman who's going to be the everyday starter moving forward, I'd be fine with that. Completely fine with that. Okay, so Someone good. had mentioned trying to deal Wong. My problem is... I don't know who in the world would take him at this point. I'd love him as a bench bat. Sure. little guy. You can use him here and there. I just, this isn't enough. If the defense isn't going to be otherworldly and the at-bats are going to suck, I, I, what are we getting from you? You know what I mean? This is why I don't really get Keston here being sent down. I get he has options, and that's a big part of it. But the idea that the Brewers have so many good healthy bats right now that we can't find a role for Keston here, I don't, I don't get into that. Also, before we move on, I don't want to gloss over the fact that uh, Jace Peterson now has the same amount of home runs this season as Christian Yelich. No comment. Just to throw that out there. I don't know whether that's a big compliment to Jace Peterson or a drive-by on Yelich. Both. Injured Yelich. Listen, he's dealing. His back hurts. He's dealing with a lot. Let's let's give him a break True. here. I'll kick a man while he's down. On the Colton Wong thing, also I, the Players' Tribune thing when they go to the playoffs. Maybe we don't write an article this year because it didn't work last year. Rule of thumb, let's just not do interviews and articles before the playoffs. We could, you know, that could be a thing for Wong, Aaron Rodgers, <clears throat> just whoever, you know, just rule of thumb. Let's not do big things before the playoffs. Yelich Twitter videos. <laughs> yeah. Let's also get rid of those, please. Those have not worked. There are a lot of angles here. So, yeah, bottom third, one man on, one out. That game, again, is on YouTube. Ashby on the bump. 54 pitches with one out in the third. Not the greatest, but not bad by any means. You like to see him go five, definitely. Hopefully more. So, we're talking all-star stuff right now. Devin Williams, the question here is, was he snubbed from the all-star game? Devin Williams, in his last 24 outings, they are all scoreless. Opponents are batting 0.95 in that time. This season, he leads the majors in holds with 23. He is third in baseball in strikeouts per nine with around 15, which is remarkable. He is tied for third in baseball, I think for relievers, I don't know overall, but 56 strikeouts. At this point, 37 games, 1.87 ERA, 15 strikeouts per nine. ERA plus is gigantic which is good. He is dominant. His whip is a little bit over one. A lot of that is buoyed by the walks from earlier in the season. 
1.3 wins above replacement for him. The question is, was he snubbed? And this is an issue. This is a larger all-star game issue. We mentioned it yesterday. Every team needs a representative. I don't like that being the case. I'm kind of done with that whole thing. As I said, I was a fan of some pretty darn bad baseball teams in my childhood, and never did I see Jonathan Papelbon, who, first of all, made me throw up whenever I watched him. But I saw him pitch the All-Star game. Never did I see, oh, you know, now I'm still a fan because Papelbon's in the All-Star game. Pat Neshek, I mentioned that name. 15 games, 1.0 ERA, so dominant. He really wasn't that good. He was just the only, only one on the Phillies that you could argue wasn't horrendous. Never did I watch him pitch in the All-Star game and think, oh, now I'm still a fan because he's in the All-Star game. So there are two, Pittsburgh, or one of them Pittsburgh, one Arizona. David Bednar, their closer. He's been really good. 2.57 ERA, 35 games, 12 strikeouts per nine. Whip at one, 1.4 war. Then you go to Joe Man- Mantiply. Mantiply? Don't know. Arizona, 36 games, 2.08 ERA, 8.8 strikeouts per nine. ERA plus below Devin Williams. Whip a little bit better. War a little bit worse. The other relievers, Ryan Helsley has been crazy good this year. He was a lock to make it. Josh Hader made it, obviously, a lock. Edwin Diaz on the Mets, he's been tremendous. He was a lock. Fair. So it's the it's the Mantiply thing. You could argue Bednar, but you're really just arguing, should every team have someone at the All-Star game? And I say no. I'm done with it. I am too. I mean, it's a money thing, right? You want to give the chance to Pittsburgh or whoever to sell some all-star jerseys and gear, which is whatever. It's not the best players in the league though. Like Williams has got to be an all-star. I get, he doesn't have saves and maybe we need a better curve to grade relievers on. Like when a guy's not a closer, how do we measure how great he is? And here we go stack up against all these other guys. That's tough, right? Here we go. Rant incoming. This is the exact same thing as wins wins. And this happens so many times with hall of fame resumes. You look at someone and they have 200 wins. So we crown them. They were a great pitcher. But a lot of the times you compare them to anybody else that was far better, that didn't get run support, that is totally out of their control, and one guy gets in the Hall of Fame and the other doesn't. Saves is the same way. You look at a closer that has X amount of saves. Doesn't prevent runs well, doesn't prevent base runners well, but he has all the saves. Part of that might be because the team just wins a lot of two-run games and he has a lot of opportunities. Compare that to a more dominant reliever that doesn't get saves. And listen, saves are important, wins are important. But in terms of how we view how dominant a pitcher is, think about it. Most of the stuff that goes into that is completely out of their control. Devin Williams can't really control the fact that Josh Hader's there. Corbin Burns can't control the fact that the Brewers never score runs when he starts. Jacob deGrom, when he won Cy Young, he was like 12 and 11 with a 1.4, something close to that. He can't control the fact that the team cannot score runs for him. There is something there to being a pitcher that's good in certain moments, knowing when you have a little breathing room. But if a guy is so dominant and his record is 500, you look at the offense and say, why can they not score for him? So trying to judge players based on saves and wins is hard for me. That's why I think Williams should have made it compared to Mantiply or Bednar or whatever, because he's been a better pitcher. He's prevented runs better. He's been more dominant. That's what I think we should go off. Well, look at this. This might be a crude way to go about this, but would those other teams rather have their lone all-star or would they rather have Devin Williams? 
Devin, you know what I mean? Is that a trade they'd make? Every time. Yeah, exactly. And I get age and money factors into that too. So it's not a completely fair question to ask, but well, Bednar, Bednar yeah, might be ahead. healthy for the postseason. <laughs> Does he punch walls? Is that, are the voters holding that against him? Do you think? Wow. Well, I've heard good arguments out there that the all-star game should include the first half of a year and the latter half of the year prior for the great players. For instance, like Corbin Burns has been terrific. He's an all-star. Zach Wheeler on the Phillies was, he was top three in Cy Young voting last year. There was an argument that he should have made it. I, I was fine with Burns. Made a lot of sense. Wheeler pitched a lot of innings, gave up a few more runs, but his second half after the All-Star break last year was dominant, and then his first half this year has also been awesome. It just hasn't been as good as a couple flashes in the pan that have had a good couple months. So there is an argument there that maybe the All-Star game should include more than just what the first half of that year is. I think it's tough, and it's, a, it's something that's not going to happen, so it's a hard argument to have. But, I mean, that would, that would factor in there. All right, 877-867-SEAN. I'm with you. Oh, a little, little bit of slowness there, a little bit of cutting out. We'll, we'll get that sorted out. 877-867-1670. Was Devin Williams snubbed? Should he have been an all-star? Or in general, if you think he should have made it above the Arizona guy, are you, like me, done with this whole thing of allowing or making sure every team has one guy there at the all-star game? A good story to come out of all of this, obviously, is Albert Pujols and Miguel Cabrera, both making all-star games. I saw Miguel Cabrera stole a base last night, by the way, which was funny. He was on second. He got a good jump, stole third. The catcher threw it into left field, and he scored. It took him, you know, 10 seconds to do so. But I I always love those moments. I'll never forget early this season when Pujols tried to steal third, and it took him, like, at least an hour to get to third base before they tagged him out. The visual was so bad on that play. Horrific. But yeah. having got Pools freaking homered last night again. It's crazy. But he's in he the, he's in the home run derby. He's in the all-star game. I love that initiative. Give me my old stars for one final ride. In addition to the young players, I think it's a great way to appreciate those guys. But yeah, I think Williams should have been an all-star. In terms of Josh Hader, where do you stand? He's taking time off during the all-star break. Do you think this is as good of a thing uh, that, that I do? I'm a big fan of this. I think the rest is important. You look at July. He's pitched five innings. Hater has three runs given up so far. You go back to June, eight innings total, three runs there as well. Since that Phillies blown save, there's been a little bit of, little bit of production against him, which is surprising. I kind of like the idea of rest. I love it. And I love the idea for family time for him. Um, he just had a kid. He's on the road a couple times a week. Like, he's never home. Absolutely. Take the four days rest. I'm sure Council loves it, too. You're telling me that Craig Council's bummed that his star reliever is not going to pitch an inning in an all-star game? Like, that's a free inning, and that's a lot of rest for his guy. So, I'm really happy with this, that Hayter gets some time with his family, gets some rest, and I bet Craig Council's thrilled about it as well. I am sure Council was not totally thrilled that he could not pitch Burns twice this week. Maybe that's one of the reasons Keston Hira got sent down. They needed another bullpen arm because Corbin Burns, who was lined up to pitch twice, obviously is not, so he can fit in the All-Star game. That's one of those uh, trickle-down, you know, chain reaction Ramifications. Yeah. Which, 
not the biggest fan of given the state of the offense and the state of the team and how Hira has performed thus far. All right, 877-867-1670. We can fit your calls in. Brewers, Twins right now, top four, tied one-to-one. 877-867-1670. Line one, you're on the Bill Michaels Show. Who do we got? You got Z and the D. Z and the D. What up? What? All right, so... I remember yesterday we were talking about the All-Star game and how we kind of, like, how it had a little bit of meaning and how we kind of missed it but kind of didn't miss it. How would you feel about this? Instead of the All-Star game being, like, you know, it's kind of set in its ways like two years in a row, two years in advance, three years in advance. Mm-hmm. How about this? There's alternating proposition spots. So, like, the NL gets to propose a spot. The AL gets to propose a spot. And – that year that the team wins, AL or NL, the following year they get to host the All-Star game. So it kind of puts something on the line. So, like, if you're an NL team, you have the chance that your team would host the All-Star game the next year. And then, then obviously, the AL. And then, like, you put, like, a thing in there. It's, like, three years in a row, if, like, the AL team wins it, it automatically goes to the NL team on the fourth year. I have one stipulation for that. I think it'd be interesting can we ensure that the game is never played under a roof? <laughs> uh, I think that is a smart, well, unless it's going to be a rain delay. I mean, so Minnesota being Minnesota, I don't understand why they didn't build a roof. I just think being that if you're in that Midwest tier, that a roof is probably the best idea that you could have. Also, not just because of this. I remember when I was in high school, so 15 years ago, there was high school teams that would go up there and play at 3 a.m. at the Metrodome so they could play a game, so they could say they played a game at the Metrodome and they got to play a game against another team from the state, and I thought that was a cool idea. So I thought a dome or a roof that's retractable is the best idea for any team that's in the Midwest if you're building a new stadium. Noted. I and then, but disagree like, respectfully. Okay. Well, I mean, you have your... Have your go play baseball and have half your season snowed out or rained out because you can't play on a field because of the weather conditions. And then, I mean, it's what we have to deal with in the Midwest. But but is that not also, wait Z? Is that not more of an indictment on when baseball is played more so than whether teams have the functionality to close a roof? I would argue that baseball just shouldn't be played in April. Shorten the season a little bit. We shorten it. We long in it. I mean, heck, the thing goes until November. That's hence why we got a gay guy called Mr. November. But, I mean, it's a long season in general. I I wouldn't be opposed to shorten this season. I think 162 is a long season. I just think it's – but maybe 150, 151 back in the Roger Maris days. I wouldn't be opposed to that. But And then I'll also throw this out there. Um, with, if Chicago was to build a new stadium for football – I would not be opposed for them to be a dome because then I'd more than likely be able to host a Super Bowl, which means more than likely it'd be easier for people from Wisconsin to go. And I don't know. That's just my thought. That makes sense. Bill had a lot of good stuff on this, and Bill knows far more about the politics of the NFL and stadiums and all that stuff than I do. So much more. He's forgotten more than than I know in that regard. I, I think it's kind of a lost cause anyway. I mean, it's such a dump, and then they're going to move further away. If they build a roof on Soldier Field, whatever. I don't know. I don't have any strong feelings. I think it'd be stupid because I like outdoor football, but that's my Wisconsin Badger self talking. 
Understandable. Yeah. I hear you. All right, Z. Appreciate it. 877. I don't think, by the way, Bears fans care that much. <laughs> no, nor do I. I think they're kind of resigned to the <laughs> fact that, I mean, the Bears just traded for Nikhil Harry. Like, they are, all right, I feel bad for Justin Fields. Genuinely. And I know many from this state hate the Bears. It, I get it. I've always been a Justin Fields fan. I feel bad for him. They're going to screw his career. They're not doing much to help him. That's for sure. The, I saw some tweet yesterday about how Nikhil Harry, I think, is still almost the same age as Velas Jones. And Nikhil Harry's going into his third year in the NFL. Huh. The rookie they took, what was it, in the seventh, sixth round? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not not a very awe-inspiring draft for the Bears. No. But I do have this drop. Thank you to Ryan Poles when he was speaking at his introductory press conference. We're going to take the North and never give it back. See how that works, buddy. We'll see. 877-867-1670. Yeah, uh, uh, also, we learn more and more about people and how they pronounce roof or rough. Mm-hmm. That continues to persist throughout the day. When we come back, NBA chatter, quickly. Bucks, there's Middleton news, there's Connaughton news, and there's this proposition for something during the season. And ugh, I don't like it. We'll talk about it when we come back. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. This is the Bill Michaels Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And we're back. It's the Bill Michaels Show. A couple segments left before we're out of here. Grant, if anybody out there wants to be entertained right now, you have this show on in the background. Yeah. You hear the great voices coming through the radio. You turn on YouTube, and you go to the YouTube chat. Because right now, Brewers vs. Twins tied 1-1, bottom four. There is an absolute war in the YouTube chat. I don't know why they allow these people to chat. Minnesota versus Wisconsin, just absolute derogatory terms thrown at each other about why you live in the state. The state's ugly. This one has more lakes. That one has more lakes. Lambeau's beautiful. Your stadium kills birds. It is it is wildly entertaining to watch what is unfolding. And as you texted me, a great response was, at least both of us are not Ohio. So the other thing that I'm loving about this chat is Joe Mauer's in the booth. And I guess they must be taking questions from the chat. Oh, God. And here's one from Henry Hughes that says, Joe, what is your Mount Rushmore of T.I. songs at MLB Network? (laughs) (laughs) I love this chat. That's awesome. Usually getting into the depths, like this is a Reddit stream personified on YouTube, which usually is a really dangerous place to be on the Internet. Generally, a lot of hatred there. But this is just, I, it is, honestly, it might be more entertaining than the game. I find myself watching the chat more than I find glancing to the game. Uh, two I men. see a, a message here that is just, you know, the sarcastic font with upper and lowercase letters? Yes. I see that, but it just says, Wisconsin Dells, as if someone <laughs> is like downplaying our little slice of Las Vegas in central Wisconsin. Z uh, and the D, I'm angry on your behalf. That's so good. 877-867-1670. So I mentioned it heading into break. Uh, also, 
Brewers twins right now. Bottom four, as I mentioned, two men on, no out. Ashby running into some trouble. Uh, they just visited the mound. They are now trying to bunt the guys over to second and third. I am sure to update that situation as it unfolds. The NBA. So quickly, Chris Middleton, Bucks reportedly, he just got wrist surgery. Didn't know this was happening. He will be ready. All accounts are for the regular season or at least close to that time. At the same time, Pat Connaughton, three-year, $30 million deal signed. Don't have any strong feelings about either of them, though I thought they were necessary to share. The one I do have strongish feelings about, Shams Charania tweets out yesterday, 8.11 p.m., the NBA Board of Governors today discussed an in-season tournament concept of all 30 teams competing, and then eight teams from that enter the single elimination round to determine the winner with the final four at a neutral site, per sources. Of course, he had to throw in. 2023-24 to 24 season at the earliest. My only question here is why? Well, my question, Ben Kennedy, why not? Because what's the point? What are they playing um, for? Uh, uh, let me think. What would we be playing for? You could get a couple of extra. Uh, Cutting out a bit. We'll, uh, we'll get that sorted out. But to me, at least, what would they be playing for? It's like the beauty why I watch basketball and why I'm a college basketball fan first compared to the NBA is it feels a lot more genuine. Definitely. You love when sports reach that moment. Every week of the NFL season feels like that. Every week of college football feels like that. Baseball also does, although they play every day. College basketball feels genuine. The NBA most of the time does not until they reach the playoffs. Then I watch and then it's kind of entertaining for the fourth quarters, at least to me. But Adding this tournament, I, I don't know what it brings. Tournaments are fun. I like brackets. I like when different teams face off in a bracket and then face the winner or something else. But college basketball, every team in the bracket has a theoretical chance to win the national title. Here, it's let's try to entertain people and just do a stupid money grab. That's my overall impression of it. So I'm with you on that. There's got to be a point to it, uh, but it can't be a, a hacky point. Like, I, I know the Major League All-Star Game, Major League Baseball All-Star Game, used to be for home field advantage in the World Series. It's nice that there was something on the line, but it felt kind of hacky. I never loved that. There needs to be something on the line to incentivize these players to actually go all out and try to win this tournament. I don't know if that's a seeding advantage come playoff time. Maybe they go to a format where you end up picking your opponent in the playoffs as the higher seed that's been thrown around. Ooh. It's got to have some advantage. That feels dirty to me. I, I don't like that. Plus, what if you pick a team because you think you match up well, but then that team says, oh, they picked us because they think we're bad, and then more upsets happen. Yeah. So maybe cash. You get a nice bonus as a player. Um, and maybe you just get a little, like we add three wins to your total, and that helps the seating. The three wins thing, I guess, could help. In terms of the Ten cash. Or whatever. As a fan and the cash, who cares, right? That's the whole thing with golf that's going on. It's once the stars get guaranteed money to play golf, and Brandel Shambly, a golf channel analyst, had a terrific thought on this. The whole difference between why the NFL has guaranteed contracts and why golf cannot 
is when Tom Brady gets all the guaranteed money, he still has some sort of, he is required to be out there and get better and perform for his team. There is still something there that you're not going to let down your team. You're playing to win. If you just half-ass your way through the season, you get benched, your career's over. In golf, if you take all the guaranteed money, what is going to entice you to go practice? What's going to entice you to really grind your way to go play well in a tournament that, I mean, really, these live events don't matter, right? So, like, these majors that are happening, you could feel how much they matter for all the guys that are playing. What require, What is going to bring you to practice if you already made all your money in golf, an individual sport? In basketball, it's, I, I mean, it's kind of a similar thing where, like, yeah, they can go win all this money. I don't really care about that. That's not what a fan is going to get up and watch the game for. Well, if it was, we'd all be really into live because we'd be so happy that they're making all this money and we'd be cheering for our athletes who are getting compensated. Um, what was the phrase that Tiger used in his interview? You got to earn it in the dirt. I like that. You need to scratch and claw a little bit for the money. It can't all be guaranteed unless, you know, you put out a good situation and a good, uh, a good example with Tom Brady. But you need to fight for it a little bit. Yeah, you have to muck around in the dirt a little bit. You know what? That is a perfect segue. Let's hear what Tiger Woods had to say because it kind of plays in. This is kind of a transition, but still. Here's what Tiger Woods at the Open, 150th Open, at St. Andrews, the home of golf, where he has won twice before. He was asked about Liv. Terrific response. Here it is. Whoop. Here it is. For, you know, guaranteed money. Um what is the incentive to practice? What is the incentive to go out there and earn it in the dirt? Um, you're just getting paid a lot of money up front and playing a few events and playing 54 holes. They're trying to, you know, playing blaring music and have all these um, atmospheres that are different. I, I just don't see how, you know, I've... 54 holes, I mean, I, I can understand 54 holes is almost like a mandate when you get to the senior tours. The guy's a little bit older and a little more banged up. But, you know, when you're at a young age and some of these kids, there really are kids, you know, who have gone from amateur golf in into that organization. Um, 72 hole tests, you know, are, are part of it. I mean, we used to have 36 hole playoffs for major championships. You know, that's that's how it used to be. Um, 18 hole U.S. Open playoffs. You know, that's um, I just don't see how that that move is, is positive in the in the long term. There he is. That's what Tiger had to say. He's talking not about the washed up guys that took all their money and they're not really good anyway, but the young guys. There are a couple that came right out of college, went straight to live and didn't, as he said, what was it? Grinding the dirt for it? Yeah, I don't hold it against the older golfers who have kind of passed over the hill. They're probably not going to win more majors. Like, I don't blame those guys as much for chasing a payday. But the young guys, no desire to compete, no desire to earn it, as you said and as Tiger said. I, I hold it a little bit more against those guys. The only people I hold it against, this is a larger conversation, but I... I can't doubt someone for making generational money or setting themselves up forever. Yes, will I not really be a fan of theirs as a competitor because it's clear that they are not really there to compete? Yeah, I can feel that way. 
in every major, I'm definitely rooting against the live guys because I think what they're doing is detrimental to the sport from a fan's perspective because you don't have all the same players playing together in the big tournaments. Instead, it's fractured. And the more fractured it gets, the worse it will be to watch. That's just objective. The people I hold it against are the needle movers, the ones that when they play golf, everybody goes to the TV to watch. Bryson. And some of these are needle movers because people don't like them, but still, they have a lot of sway. Bryson, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Reed, the guys that, first of all, still are very competitive, but two, they definitely have an impact because the whole way this whole fractured golf world lives on is if more and more of the guys with a lot of gravity to how they play move. So I feel like the ones that are, one, have achieved a lot, but two, are very important to the well-being of the game and their action, and this is more of the morality thing and what live is, but their action is just doing what the league is there to do, which is, you know, wash the public image of, of a certain country. Yeah. So when you have no names go, they don't do anything to help the public image. It's the big guys. It's either the ones that have achieved a lot in the past or the ones that are still achieving a lot. It's those guys that actually are the ones working hard. Brooks Kepka is one of them to wash the reputation of a very oppressive regime. That's a, that's a separate story. It does tie in though to the NBA thing you talked about. If you add a lot of games and incentives just for money, Fans aren't going to get up and and start to get into that. They're just not. It's not attractive just to see I like people say I I am going to just go try to make as much money as possible. I understand it and I understand the benefits that that has, but as a fan of sport and most of the time the fans are the ones that are paying the salaries, they're the ones buying the tickets, they're the ones watching mm-hmm. TV, paying for all these crazy streaming services. If all of the competition and achievement goes away I think that is a very dangerous place for all of sport to be not just golf not just basketball all of it so I agree with everything you just said I thought this very well said um have you ever gotten into an all-star game invested have you ever been cheering and actually cared about the result of an all-star game MOB definitely when the in 2008 10 years old growing up in Philadelphia when the Phillies had legitimate shots to go to the World Series, they did it twice. I was very passionately rooting for the NL in those All-Star games because I thought it could help the Phillies down the road. Okay, so it was the World Series at home. That's what did it. Yeah, and I I wanted to see the guys I like succeed. I still root for the NL, kind of, because the Phillies and the Brewers are in the NL. I like to see the NL do well. I'm not passionate about yeah. it. 2008, I was all into the All-Star game. I really liked cheering hard the one year that Giannis was the captain of the All-Star game. I was pissed when they lost. Like, I treated that like an actual game. <laughs> and I'm wondering if that is at all possible in, an, in a midseason tournament, right? Where the stakes aren't any higher than any normal regular season game. But could I get myself to buy in for another reason, even if it's just a... Because it's different. It's a midseason tournament, and I love my team, and I want to see them win that midseason tournament, even if it doesn't mean a ton in the grand scheme of things. I think I could get there. I don't want to speak for other sports fans. I could, but it might be a struggle for lots of fans. I know we'll reach a point with all that when all the stars say, yeah, I thought I'd be resting now. I didn't really plan to be in this midseason tournament. It won't help me in the playoffs. And then you just see it as a summer. It'll become the summer league, I feel like. 
where it's all the young guys that need to prove themselves. It's a couple contributors that want to get some work in and the stars as they have shown an ability to just sit out. God, that would be so lame. I hate how we've made summer league lame. Now Palo Bancaro plays one game. Oh, we've seen enough. Well, of course you've seen enough. He was the number one overall pick as your guy Asher said yesterday, but I hate how we've turned summer league into something that's lame. So if the midseason tournament becomes that, that's boring. I don't like that. I'm just not really in favor of it happening anyway, but it is what it is. Whatever. They can choose what they want to do. I'll choose if I watch it. That I will not. I can safely say that. 877-867-1670. Going to step away here. couple segments left. Give you an update on the Brewers when we come back. They're into the fifth inning. Did Ashby get out of that trouble? We'll talk about it. Ben Kenny Grant Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Welcome back in Bill Michaels show. A couple segments left here before we're gone. Grant and I are back tomorrow and Friday. Bill is then back from vacation coming up on Monday. So Grant, the Brewers are 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position now. It is the middle of the fifth. It is 1 to 1. Brewers twins. The Jace Peterson homer being that one run. The Brewers are 0 for 4 with runners in scoring position. Jonathan Davis was just robbed of a base hit into center field. Gilberto Celestino, I believe his name is, made the catch. But two of those at-bats, it's Colton Wong. 0 for 2. Two very lackluster performances up there at the plate with a chance to score. Willie Adamas is one of those spots. And Davis has the other. Jace Peterson is the only productive member of the lineup right now. Caratini's also 1 for 1 with a walk. You go from Wong through Arias, 1 through 6. Wong's 0 for 3. Adamas is 0 for 2. Telez is 0 for 2. Kutch is 0 for 2. Narvaez is 0 for 2. Arias, 0 for 2 as well. Not good. We were talking about an hour ago, and I think I might be kind of out on Colton Wong, and I'm watching this at bat. A couple minutes ago, I'm like, watch. He's going to hit a double here, get two RBIs, and I'm going to be talking about how I'm over Colton Wong, and I want a new second baseman. Um, but again, in this at bat, he fell behind... One and two, right? Always with two strikes, always working from behind in the count. And when the Spurs offense gets stuck, it seems like a lot of the at-bats are working from behind in the count. And that's just a difficult place to to, to dig out of. Like, that's a tough way to succeed. Yep, 100%. So I had mentioned Brandel Shambly on the Golf Channel last segment. I found the clip talking about the difference between, it's really interesting, difference between Tom Brady and NFL guys getting guaranteed money and it happening in other sports where the will to win and the achievement is no longer there. Here's what he had to say. Live is different from guaranteed contracts in other sports. In other sports, if Tom Brady gets $500 million to go throw touchdowns and be the, the star, if his skills diminish, he gets benched. So you have an incentive to stay in front of, well, to be the lead. Your point, you're, you're leading the Absolutely. team. Absolutely. And you let the team down if your skills diminish. And we see that play out in sports. So even though the guaranteed money comes up front, right. this incentive to sharpen that knife never leaves. In golf, it's gone. Yes. You got the money, you show up, 
Dustin got you that $175 million. The entire European tour purse this year, $155. $155. Now, what incentive does he have to show up? What incentive did Phil Mickelson is 31 over par through the first two live events? I don't know. I didn't watch it. I saw it on social media. 31 over par. And he got paid $200 million. Where's his incentive to get better? He's got a point. I think it's a little different than the NBA situation, but I think it could be a sports as a whole conversation right there. You're saying sports as a whole, people are just satisfied once they get their contract and they're okay with kind of hanging out. No. Maybe the incentive's not there. There are certain sports where once the money's guaranteed or in certain settings when it is guaranteed, you see that ability, as Shambly puts it, to sharpen the knife go away. I think in individual sports it clearly happens easily because you don't have a team it also happens across other sports there are guys that have gotten big contracts and then haven't really committed as much as they did in the past but I don't want to use specific examples of that to talk overall about the team sports but about the differences just throwing money at something isn't exactly what sports is about and what getting better is about and golf is an extreme example because it is the most ego-driven individual sport out there along with tennis but I think I the the NBA thing kind of just reminded me of of that whole conversation although there still is the championship and they still are playing as a team there's also you know there's a lot of teams in the NBA well there's a couple I think this offseason that signaled we're not really about winning a championship and we're going to make that clear like the Wizards they gave Bradley Beal that huge deal that's a bad contract like I like Bradley Beal and I'd hate to see him go if I was a Wizards fan, but they kind of signaled, oh, we're going to pay our guy. We're going to sell his jersey. We're going to be fun. You can come watch Bradley Beal. But that contract's not something that's leading to contending for a championship. Or Damian Lillard in Portland, right? Much of the same. So you do have instances in sport that may not be completely and totally focused on winning a title. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah 100%. I think it's a liar, but sometimes. Andrew Brandt was tweeting about this. I'm trying to... Andrew Brandt has the Sports uh, Business Hall of Fame where he tweets out your Chase Daniel-type backup quarterback, other guys that have made crazy sums of money while not performing well. Some of it, like Chase Daniel, has clearly monetized his value quite well. Backup quarterback forever. Kirk Cousins has done it as well. He's gotten into good situations. But you mentioned basketball. Do you know how many games John Wall played in a four-year, $171 million Supermax deal. You know how many games he played? Well, I know it's very few. And to be fair to John Wall, he could have played last year. His team told him not to. But still, you're fair. Point, it's very few games. 40. Ooh. 40 games. Four years. Ooh. So It's good work if you can get it. I mean, part of that is injuries. Part of that is the teams around him. Not good. But hmm. it's interesting stuff. 877-867-1670. Kurt Hogg, Journal Sentinel, tweets out, Aaron Ashby's day is done. After a pair of one-out sing- singles, he goes four and a third, 101 pitches. Always was a lot of traffic. Didn't get through the lineup that efficiently, but only one run. Trevor Gott is on bottom of the fifth, one out, two on for the Twins. Up to bat. Final segment coming up. Grant, I my cousin's getting married later this month. I have a a quandary to bring to the public sphere for the few minutes we have left. Coming up next, it's Ben Kenny Grant-Bills in for Bill Michaels. Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is the Bill Michaels Show.
on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. All right, welcome back in. Final segment of the Bill Michaels Show here. Ben Kenny Grant Bills will be with you also tomorrow and Friday. Bill Michaels will be back on Monday from vacation. Grant, I am learning a lot that the Minions Rise of Gru in this YouTube chat for the Brewers game is a terrific movie. I'm is that excited. What they're chatting about it's it's being said. Trevor got though oh, did just get out of the inning. Good job there by him. Yeah, I'm excited to. I'm a Minions guy. I guess I'd say. I think they're really? funny. Oh yeah, they're the. It's a hilarious, it's some of that humor that just hits every generation a little different. Have you seen the Lego movie? Did you ever watch that? No. Oh, it is so funny. I watched it when I was 18 years old and it was hilarious. Still is funny now? Well, I haven't seen it since then. I've only seen it once, but I remember it being funny. I watched the first Despicable Me when I was younger. I don't know, whenever it came out and I just didn't like it and I haven't really touched any of the movies since then. The Minnesota Twins right now, 877-867-1670, have left nine on base through five innings. A What some would say the Brewers usually do. That seems to be the Twins today. Tied 1-1 going into the sixth inning. Beautiful day. Beautiful skyline next to the yeah. non-existent roof uh, there at Target Field in Minnesota. So I mentioned this going into break, and we'll end with it. So my cousin's getting married end of July out in Colorado. It's a very informal wedding, meaning not many will go crazy with the dress. It's it's very chill in that way. Not a lot of people. And the exact words were casual. Though, I don't really know what that means if it's a wedding. So Sounds like a trap. It is kind of a trap. I definitely... The good thing I know is my brother will be the most well-dressed person there, no matter what. So there's no way whatever I wear will top him. Like he will be the nicest dressed. So I know that I won't have to be the tone setter, which is good to know. Good, good thought there going in. So yeah, all of my, most of my nice clothes were kind of a COVID catastrophe, if you will. I was moving around a lot. I lived in Vermont for a couple months at my grandma's house, really just living out of a bag. So most of the nice clothes I had just, kind of got ruined through all of that. So I'm going to buy nice clothes. I've needed them for a while. I put it off until now. Need them. I just don't know what to do. Do you want my advice? Might be bad advice. I mean, it's as my mother said, as long as it's not Dave from Monona giving you advice, it is sound (laughs) advice. Dave might be pretty good on this topic. What I would do is just go one of the nice stores and have one of the workers put together an outfit. And I'll pay 150 or 175 percent for it. It's fine. We're just gonna walk into men's warehouse. I don't know what I'm looking for. Help me. And the person working will be like, "Oh, well, here's what's really in right now. What about this?" And then I'll pick something I like, and I'll pay way too much for it. But it won't be that much work because it's gonna be done for me. That's what I would do. That is what I probably will do. I'm doing it after work today because the rest. I mean, tomorrow I work late. Kenny and Halpern tomorrow night. Friday's Friday. Busy during the weekend. I'm yep. in for Nelson on the morning show next week. The week after that, Zach and I go to Indy for Big Ten Media Days. And then, boom, I'm out in Colorado. So, not much breathing space, even though it's the summer. So have I'm, a professional do it for you. Go to a store, have them pick you out an outfit, 
Maybe you pay a little extra, but whatever. Yeah. That's what I do. I guess you pay the royalty for how easy it is. We'll see. It's like we'll- free agency. <laughs> pay a little tax. But then you wonder, once you give them the upfront money, if they're really in it for the right reasons. <laughs> Tie it all back. You got to do your research, yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. We're back again tomorrow. Thanks for hanging out. See ya. See you, bud. The Bill Michael Show Podcast. Listen, rate, subscribe. What? <laughs>